Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These, are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does I it say? it would be a good... <laughs> I didn't even get the idea. Okay. Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> going well it's going really well <laughs> <clears throat> let me get my speaking voice going <laughs> <clears throat> hello and welcome to the right and wrong podcast i'm jamie and i'm emma and today we are speaking to the wonderfully talented andy osho a stand-up comedian actress presenter and author of her debut novel um, asking for a friend. Hello, Andy. Thank you for Hi joining there. us today. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. Virtually. Well, congratulations <laughs> on the release of your novel, Asking for a Friend. Thank you so much. This has been a very exciting time because it's um, a whole world that I I didn't know anything about. And mm. uh, yeah, so it's just been a really lovely, it's not, it's whatever the opposite of a baptism of fire is. That's, that's what it's like going into the literary okay. world. It's well, I think that's lovely. a good thing. It's a warm bar compared to, oh. like, say, for example, you know, if you were going into stand-up for the first time, that's definitely the fiery baptism. Whereas this mm. is just like, yeah, it's a nice bar. <laughs> well, oh. that's lovely. Well that's, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm loving it. <laughs> um, could you give us just a little overview of the book itself and, and what it's about for the listeners so that they can get a gist of of the of what it is really? Yeah, sure. So the year is 3012. No, no, no. Oh, um, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. even I know like, where Ooh. to start. <laughs> Will there be hoverboards? Like, Will there not be hoverboards? I, I just wouldn't this know. This is it. not the book I read. <laughs> exactly. Um, well spotted, well spotted. You're right. Um, so asking for a friend is, um, it's about romance and it's about dating, but it's also about friendship. And um, the three central characters are these three women who are kind of stuck when it comes to relationships. So they decide to take it all um, offline. They ditch the dating apps and they go out and ask guys out in real life, but for each other. But it doesn't quite go to plan. <laughs> sounds like a, a reality tv show it could in, well be i mean if yeah. people start going out and doing this they will be living their own reality tv shows for sure <laughs> yeah um so a common piece of advice that uh we often hear from authors and editors uh, and people in the publishing industry is write what you know and in asking for a friend uh, across your three characters, you cover stand-up comedy, acting, uh, writing, and publishing novels. Mm. And I just wanted to know how many of the <laughs> shenanigans and events in the book are things that you've actually kind of gone through or experienced to some degree? Um, yeah, there's there's quite a bit. I mean, for sure, the stand-up course, which is where the girls meet. Yeah. That is, um, that's my experience as well. And um, there's even the, you know, the reference to a lot of young comedians, um, having a lot of material about their own penises. Um, <laughs> that's kind of true as well. I mean, it's probably not like that now, probably cause I haven't done stand up for a while, so I don't know what, um, the zeitgeist is, but yeah, back in the day, people had a lot of material about that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, certain certain aspects of the publishing experience, though, I have to strongly state that the editor, the pushy editor, Eve, was not my editor, Charlotte. She was brilliant. Um, uh, but, uh, good to Eve know. Is, yeah, yeah. Got, <laughs> got to stipulate that because Charlotte yeah. was, this, this, wouldn't ex- this book wouldn't exist without her. So I don't want her thinking at any point, like, <laughs> hmm, that woman, no one likes her. Is that me? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So that back and forth between the, the agent's editors in the book, that's not something that you really experienced. I mean, or, yeah, for sure. There was back and forth, way. but it was it was it was constructive. And right. and to be fair, in a way, I mean, I don't want to sort of talk too much about where that character goes on that journey in terms of Eve's notes. Mm. But she yeah. is trying to make the book better. And uh, you know, I've written a lot of things in different um, contexts, and so you know, it's a it's one of those things where you do have to weather notes. And for the most mm. part people are just trying to make your material better. They might not be succeeding and it might not be a good note, but that's their intention, you know, usually, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, So where do you think this novel like originated from? Is this something you've been working on for a while or was it quite spontaneous? Well, I mean, I was really lucky in the sense of I hadn't written this book and then went and uh, tried to sell it. Uh, I had a conversation with Harper Collins and I came up with the story and we had a conversation about, um, you know, writing this book. And then, and so that's how, that's how it came about. But in terms of the story, it was like you said, Jamie, it's like, write what you know. And at the time I was, you know, writing a lot of stand up about the dating experience and had a lot to say about it. And so it felt like a natural progression that I would go from talking about it in my stand up to if you if I were gonna if I were to write a book, it would be probably on that subject. And what happened as well is around that time that I was sort of putting the story together, I had just had another breakup and I was talking to a friend and she was like, oh you should read um one of the, she said one of these like four, she listed four um, dating books and I read all of them <laughs> and, okay. and I got so much from it that I was like, how mm. could I turn this into a story? Because I saw so much about my own life and the mistakes that I've made and, mm. you know, situations that had happened and, and they, they sort of made sense after I'd read these books. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a way of turning or, or weaving what I've learned into a story that I'd like to write. So that's kind mm. of, yeah, there's a little bit of lots of things happening all at the same time. But um, yeah, definitely those dating books made a big impact as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so like a friend of mine is a stand-up comic as well. And and through her process of writing, she um, kind of performs the text like scenes or like story snippets after each thing she's wrote is uh, to see if it works out or, you know, like between the writing. Um is this something that you do when writing comedy or, or have you got a technique that works for you specifically when writing? Are you talking about writing a book or writing stand-up? Because it's, yeah, um, it's, it's slightly different. I guess writing, writing stand-ups to start, yeah. Yeah, so with stand-up, I, I mean, you can write as much as you want, but for my money, you have to just d- tr- try it out in front of an audience. I don't think there's any other way to know whether it works, mm. which is kind of frustrating <laughs> because yeah. you want to be able to make your mistakes privately and with nobody else watching. Oh, yes, but, of course. You know, stand-up's <laughs> not like that. So uh, there was one time where I, I can't remember what had happened. I, I, I think maybe I was, like, really busy and I or I couldn't get any – I wanted to um, – try out some material for a show 
and I don't think I could get stage time. So I remember a couple of times performing an entire hour long set to my sofa. <laughs> and weirdly, it was tough actually, crowd. yeah, tough crowd. It's like, all right, guys, settle down, stop chucking stuff. Um, but weirdly, it was very helpful because I think because I'd done so much stand up, I could, it, I could kind of visualize or imagine where the audience responses would be. I wasn't, I was tough on myself. I wasn't <laughs> thinking that this imaginary yeah. crowd was like rolling around on the floor. So, but it was useful, <laughs> but it's no substitute for getting out in front of an audience. Right. Mm, yeah, for, for sure. And did you find like going into novel writing um, that the process of of writing stand up comedy helped you or prepared you for for writing a novel? Yeah, it really did. Um, I mean, definitely in constructing jokes. And one thing that I always felt with with stand up is I wanted to always be as concise as possible. And I remember writing with um, another comedian for a project and, and he, he, um, he wrote some jokes that I was going to go and perform and they were very padded. <laughs> and I was right. like, but surely it's this and this, which is like about 10% of the words that he'd written. And he's like, no, yeah, but it's really funny if you go da 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 And I'm like, this isn't going to work. I was thinking in my head, this isn't going to work. Um, so... So in terms of constructing jokes, yeah, gosh, it was so, so useful to do the stand-up before writing them in the book. And I did a play um, called The Miser about three years, four years ago now, and Lee Mack was um, in the cast, well, leading mm. the cast, I guess, with Griff, uh, alongside Griff Rhys-Jones. And we, um, we were kind of working the script and finding humour as we rehearsed. And he's like a real master craftsman when it comes to humor. And so I learned a lot from listening to him because he was quite ruthless in terms of, look, if a, um, a sort of mediocre joke is not worth having, you might as well get rid of it and just mm. go for the the more the bigger laughs. That'll actually empower the bigger laughs. And so that really, and, and what, I, what I really took from that is that that is applicable wherever you're writing comedy. doesn't matter whether it's in a play, in a book, doing stand-up that principle uh, uh, is valid across the board yeah right. so is this your first novel that you've worked on well when I was 10 I think I gave novel <laughs> writing a go but it was just <laughs> an intimidating amount of words I think I just gave up after mm. page one so yeah this is my first and so that's why um Charlotte who was originally my editor and then um she left and Katie Seaman took over. Um, that's that's why her input was invaluable. I couldn't have done it without her. Because, you know, I remember like early on, there were two critical mistakes, fundamental mistakes that I made. And one was that um, I was trying to perfect everything before moving on. So it was taking me an age to write every chapter. And mm -hmm. the other thing was I wasn't writing a huge amount of prose in between the dialogue because I was so used to writing like screenplays and things like that. Yeah. So it was like Jemima said blah 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 blah. And then Megan was like blah 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 and Sylvia was like blah, blah, blah. and she was just like really politely said, listen. <laughs> Rain it in. Yeah, we really would love to know what the characters are thinking, not just what they're, what they're saying. What they're saying. Yeah, I was like, gosh, yeah, that's true. That does happen in books, doesn't it? I, li I literally generally had a thought like that. Like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. So was that a big, that's quite a big learning curve, a big difference from, you know, writing, your previous writing in comedy and uh, scripts and things. 
But when you did that, did you also work with editors? Like how different is a editor for a novel versus editors or critique partners for comedy and, and screenplays? Hmm. Um, ooh, it's hard to say really, because there's such different um, mediums, but yeah. um, I think, gosh, it's really hard to say, I, I guess because partly because like, you know, literature was such a new area for me that I, everything right. was, everything was new. And I think it probably, you know what, I don't know if there is any difference actually. I'm not <laughs> sure that there is because at the end of the day, if you're delivering to somebody, they're going to give you notes yeah. yeah, and you're going to either do the notes or you're not going to do the notes and you're going to ask questions or you're not going to have any questions. You're just going to crack on and you're going to keep going. And that's, that was the same process through, you know, writing screenplays. It's, I mean, even, even stand up, I've had that situation. Now, the good thing about stand up is not often are you in a position where you get notes. However, I did um, uh, a few episodes of uh, the Craig Ferguson, um, so what's it called? Um, the Late Late Show when Craig Ferguson used to present yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, they said it was a five minute, well, no, actually, it wasn't a five minute, it was like a four and a half minute slot. Oh, wow. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what? That's really specific. And they're yeah. like, and they said, or maybe it was 4.15, something like that. But it was a really weird <laughs> number. And I said, well, what if it's like, what if I do like 4.30? What if I can't quite get it? It's like, well, all right, we could we could probably go to 4.20. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's a joke. I don't get it. What's happening right now? And so I I did the, you know, I, I wrote out my, my, um, my stand-up script, I suppose. And I was uh, that had to jump through all these compliance notes. Oh, no, you can't really say that. Oh, that sounds like you're saying that about that t- type of person. That's going to have to come out, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, you're killing these jokes. <laughs> so so even that, but I had to work with them. And I said, all right, what if I said, there was a thing with guns. I think there was a thing where I mentioned shooting a gun and they were like, no. I said, what if it was a laser? <laughs> What if it was like a, a space laser? Yeah. Exactly. And they were like, no, sh- no shooting of any type of thing. What if it's a water pistol? This is now, the joke is now dead, but I'm just like on principle, just fighting for yeah. it. But um, yeah, so that, I mean, and it was exactly the same process of back and forth, them saying what they want, what's going to work for them. And, you, and they're the buyer. So you have to give them what they want. Same as with the novel, HQ mm. with the buyer, same as with any screenplay I've ever written, that they're the buyer. So um, really, I think the notes notes process and working in collaboration with the buyer is always the same. They're just, we're, yeah. we're two creative folk. We're just coming at it from different spaces. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because they're there they're for the business aspect, thinking this is what is going to sell. This is what we need you to change. To yeah, the context that. is different, isn't it? That's all. Yeah. They're, but they're not, they're no less for the creative process than we as creatives are, but they're just, they've got a different context. Yeah. I can only imagine that going through comedy first, you developed a thick skin to that kind of critique. Uh, <laughs> you would yeah. hope, Jamie, wouldn't you? You would hope. <laughs> know that that's actually true i do what um never gets easier no it doesn't it really doesn't because you're like crazy you don't see how brilliant this is Uh, all right i'll do that note and then you go oh actually that is that's quite good well done all right that was a one-off your note was good but next time um you know so lucky yeah yeah exactly (laughs) even though this is your job waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Whatever. But um, I think what, if I was to advise anybody on this whole notes process thing, it's to learn how you respond to it because and and also learn to distinguish what is a reaction as opposed to a response because notes in the past and still do actually they still make me I just have this automatic response of like either it can't be done or you're asking too much of me or what more do you want or that's Mm. gonna you know that's that's a bad no or something like that so what I'm training myself to do, I'm not there yet, but what I'm training myself to do is just to be able to go, oh, there's you having your reaction, let that play out, and then now look at the note again. Because like yeah. even the other day, I'm doing a polish on a script, and they asked me to make a change to it, and oh, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. And I just, so, so I've got this list of things I'm not going to do that I'm going to, you know, this list I'm going to send them afterwards going, oh, well, that wasn't possible and that wasn't possible. So I added this, this particular thing onto the list, but there was something nagging at me just thinking, maybe you can make it work. I was like, no, can't, can't possibly work. It's terrible. It's terrible. No. <laughs> and then I thought again, yeah. it's like, oh, actually, if you did that there, remove that. No. All right. Crossed it off the go list. Go on then. You know, and did the note. Yeah, yeah. go on then. Yeah. It was a good note. You know, so, so if you can start to distinguish responses, reactions from responses, then, you know, it will make the notes process so much easier all round. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I've had to do anyway. It's just for that's a great sanity. Yeah, great way to tip. approach it as well. Mm, and it's definitely. always, a, it's always a journey thing. Like, writing process no matter like what you do how much you've done you're always learning more than like different ways to approach stuff yeah Mm, for sure for sure and speaking of that uh are you planning on a sequel or another novel potentially unrelated um or are you one and done (laughs) um yeah sure why not oh okay why not that's great you heard it here first exclusive well i've said it before but no i see what you're saying um you know what uh i i liken it to um the whole childbirth thing i don't have children but i mean i've heard people talk enough about it to you know be quite familiar with that thing of where people say oh you know they're in pain and it's never again and i never do this again and then you see the baby and you're like oh let's have another one (laughs) so i'm kind of a little bit like that with writing because it wasn't easy it was a painful process particularly because i didn't really know what i was doing i was very much learning on the job but afterwards, and I'm not talking about enjoying it being published, which is a hell of fun, but <laughs> it, it's it's actually completing on such a mammoth task was so rewarding because um, it took over the course of, I was writing over the course of like, I think like two and a half years, something like that on and off and having yeah. to fit it in between acting projects and filming and all kinds of things. So um, it was, a, for me, it was a mammoth task to get it done. And um, I realized I can tell stories in this format. And I hopefully I can tell them well if you know hopefully people are enjoying it. So so I'll do it again. You know, apply what I've learned and keep keep growing in that area as well because I like sitting at home and writing. So th- we are a perfect match, me and you know, <laughs> novel writing. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the um, Emma and I actually both listened to your 
book because I, Emma was about to get it. And then I messaged her and said, oh, have you seen that Andy herself has narrated the audiobook? So we ended up both listening to the audiobook. Okay. Was that always your plan to narrate the an, an audible version of it? Or did you consider bringing in another actor? Um, it wasn't, it, yes, it was kind of, it was my plan, ha, 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 but not in that <laughs> Just way. Just like I planned. <laughs> yeah, they fell for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was more like when they started talking about, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to be doing the, recording the audiobook soon. And I, was, I said to my agent, um, uh, is there any chance, you know, sort of like that, like, but what, who, who? <laughs> and then you know but i i didn't feel like it made sense for anybody else to do it right and, yeah. and i know some people don't you know some people do have another uh, have an actor come in if they're not if they don't feel that they're the right voice for it or something like that but i was just like no i don't didn't even question really that somebody else would do it it's going to be me yeah yeah well you had the skill set yeah exactly your your skill set's there and you're so close to the words it must have been lovely to be able to act out your own narrative i guess it was. There were passages where it was really, really fun, but it was actually quite tough as well. And it was a long gig. Mm. It took like four days to do. Um, wow. And oh, four, oh, four and a half, actually. And then, obviously there's a post-production that those fabulous folks did as well. And I afterwards, I was just like, said so to the uh, producer and engineer, he was, I was like, how, how much do people get paid to do this? And he told me, I was like, yeah, I'll probably just do this one. And then just <laughs> it's like, but the amount of hours you put in and what you yeah. get paid is like, yeah. wow, yeah. this is yeah. almost like voluntary work. Yeah. <laughs> because it was my book, I would have done it, you know, I would have done it for free. So, you know. yeah, your baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think in touching on challenging things, was there anything about the whole process that you found uh, particularly challenging? Um, I, I would say, uh, more, uh, the mo in a general sense, it was just the technique. Mm. There were some things that, you know, if you've perhaps done a creative writing course or if you've done a degree or something like that, you would just know this stuff anyways. And so I was having to learn a lot of that stuff as I was writing. So for example, head hopping, I didn't know anything about. So, mm. you know, my, the standpoint or viewpoint or whatever kept shifting and yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that it was she I didn't even notice and it wasn't until fabulous Charlotte pointed that out as well that I was oh and then that's when it became um each chapter moving from um one character to another yeah um and so yeah there was a lot of things like that and just oh, I was googling all kinds of things like different words for said and you know just really <laughs> sort of fundamental <laughs> stuff um uh, yeah, so I, I, if you haven't written in a particular format before, you might be a great storyteller, but there's still sort of technique to um, how to execute well, so that it's an enjoyable read for the enjoyable for the reader. Because otherwise, that can be quite jarring if it's not intentional. Because yeah. when you know the form, obviously in the rules, you can break them all, can't you? But I, sometimes I think it doesn't necessarily work breaking the rules before you even knew what they were. Sometimes it can yes. be magnificent. And so one shouldn't like discount that as an approach, but um, yeah, for the most part, it's probably better to know how, how to do the thing well and then start to sort of break boundaries and rules. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely, definitely great advice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, moving on from that, do you have any other advice for would-be novelists uh, within this whole process, um, either the writing or the style or, you know, any tips? 
Gosh, I mean, having only done one, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't feel like you know, I'm in a position to say I'm still figuring this out, out myself. But Sometimes um, those I, are the best people. I think like people who've just yeah. been through it are sometimes the best people to give insights on what to... Uh, I kind of will help them, you know. I tell you uh, what I can t- uh, say because um, this is how I've what I uh, how I relate to my relationship past. Because I, sometimes I tell people about relationships like I know something, and I realize <laughs> I don't. I know about mistakes. I don't know yeah. about solutions. So in ter- so it's the same with writing. I know about mistakes, so I can't give you solutions, but I can tell you what happened when I made these mistakes. So, for example. Um, I, um, like I said earlier on, I sort of painstakingly was working on each paragraph. I was like, mom, it takes you like an hour to just write a paragraph when you're writing a book. It's mad. And she's like, oh dear, that's going to take you a really long time to finish this book. I was like, I know. So, so the concept of the vomit draft, which I was very familiar with as, um, in the domain of screenplays, but not so much in terms of literature. I just thought, uh, I, if I perfect it, there won't be any notes. So mm. I would say, um, you know, and I've read this uh, as a quote uh, elsewhere, it's just the first draft, the job of the first draft is to exist. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And it most likely is going to be terrible. Don't, don't worry about it just write that terrible first draft and trust yourself to have the skills to edit and make it better. Mm. Because mm. that's what I didn't do. I assumed that I had to do all that in the, uh, on a one sort of thing. It had to come out perfectly and it doesn't, it comes out in whatever form it is. And then you look at it and then you shape it. As long as you've done good prep, like it, before starting the story, then mm. what comes out will be in a shape that you can work with. And I sort of likened it to sculpting in the sense of like a sculptor doesn't put their slab of whatever it is of clay or whatever on their plinth and then start doing the eyelashes. Yeah. You know, know that's so true. That's so true. (laughs) They shape, they get a general nose, some cheeks, the lips, the, the, the just very general. And then they refine a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more. And then that's what we need to do. I would say with writing, that's the mistake I made. And so that's, you know, what I would share and then just one other thing just off the back of that is, mm. you know, because I've done writing courses and, and various courses about creativity where the facilitators talked about the brain and the way the brain functions. And I, I don't know any science around any of this or whatever. It's in the books that they gave us to read. But one thing I did take away mm. from it is about how, you know, different um, tasks use different parts of the brain, as it were. And yeah. so if you try and collapse those tasks together, which again is what I did when I was trying to produce and edit and refine it all at the same time, your brain doesn't like it. Mm, so yeah. if you can separate those tasks out, it, everyone's happy. Brain is very happy. Mind is happy because obviously they're different things. But um, <laughs> so you can just get it out. Just be in that creative, open, expansive, um, producing, creative space because that yeah. that's a different part of your your brain your mind then once it exists then you can go into that critiquing mode which is about reducing paring down re, you know um, refining all that type of thing and even the type of editing you do takes different parts of the brain because you know if you're doing like refining it's different from making cuts yeah. so separate yeah. the more you can separate that the process I think the more the more your brain is happy and and it's easier to do that's that's what I learned anyways yeah, yeah I think well that put. can sometimes be like the hardest bit, isn't it? Like separating your relationship to what you've 
wrote down and then I guess the editing process I find the hardest thing to do like you know just like to your own work as well which is why I think it's important to have you know I don't you know I think it's just because I I'm like oh I really like that and I've got an emotional connection to what I've just wrote there and then maybe someone's like yeah well that sounds crap so (laughs) So you need to do you need to do something about it or you know I'm like in a little mentor group so I think you know it's handy to have that well the other thing is as well is that like um one of the writing courses I did the lecturer said you know if when you know what your your piece is about whatever it is you're writing then anything that's not in service of that theme or that idea no matter how brilliant it is it's got to go Mm. and that is like really great advice because then some of those darlings that we love we can actually also see mm, but you don't belong yeah. yeah yeah it's a hard hard thing to let go of a lot of the time though it is it really is and I'm in that right now it's just like man that's such a good line but yeah. don't need it doesn't doesn't mean anything doesn't yeah. doesn't yeah. serve the story well exactly and um yeah. if anyone listening is after more of Andy's brilliant advice. You have a new podcast of your own, Creative Source. This is true, yeah. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's not just about writing, although obviously I just referenced the disciplines that I know well. So comedy, acting, writing, even presenting a little bit. I learned some stuff from doing that. It wasn't, one of the things I learned was it wasn't my thing, but. um, (laughs) It's a good thing to learn. Yeah, no, but sometimes you've got to try these things to to find them out. And I'm sure there's other skills that I've got from from doing it that uh, that are valuable, but just, it it wasn't a thing for me. But um, yeah, so in Creative Source, I just talk about the, whole creative process but I take a different topic every week so for example I started um on rejection and then uh that ended up being two episodes actually because there was so much to say on it and then I just talk talk about different topics and hopefully um reposition them in people's minds so that they can be even if they may have a negative connotation that by the end of the episode or the two episodes if they're a two-parter dun 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 um rejection you know that they can have a more positive relationship with these things so that they can have um a happier life it's just about being more content as a creative basically and hopefully my goal is just to contribute to people's joy around their creativity rather than the burden that it can sometimes be because people feel just like, oh, it's so hard. I'm on my own. I don't know how to move forward. I'm not getting anywhere or whatever yeah. the thing is that that we get caught up in. I, I just want to have a conversation with people where they just feel like, don't worry, it's okay. Just keep yeah. going, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. To, to to do these things yeah some encouragement you know that's great I think it's great I've listened to a couple of episodes and I think that this brings us to our final question of the oh, yeah. interview mm-hmm. Emma oh. would you like to do the honours oh thank you I love this question <laughs> if, um, oh, wow dun, 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 dun. Um, if you were to be marooned on a desert island which one Bradley Cooper book- Wait, what? <laughs> what's the question I'm... Uh... and that's the podcast no. No. Um, uh... what sorry one i book... listen more no it's great i love it um i would take that as well so um which one right. <laughs> which one book would you like to bring with you on the desert island if you were marooned on it <laughs> 
Oh, it's obviously got to be some sort of Bear Grylls book, surely. <laughs> How to escape <laughs> desert island. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, you mean like something to enjoy? Yeah. I, whatever you what want to book, live your life. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to have. <laughs> exactly. Do you know, I think I might take something like Big Magic or something. Okay. I, that's not might be a bit mm. Xville because we're talking about creativity and that's a book about creativity. But it's just such, she just writes such... Um, sort of easy, accessible, funny, warm, generous stories about being a creative. Yeah. Um, that, it's, yeah very, that, it's very mental wellness as well, that yeah. book. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, maybe a big book uh, with a lot of pages, use it for firewood <laughs> or fire, fire paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Read it and uh, burn it. Sometimes. Exactly. Like, I'll bring a course in miracles or something like that. So that's <laughs> like a thousand pages or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something, I think you've got to have something uplifting if you're there forever. Forever. No, that's and ever. very true. Yeah. Without forever Bradley and ever. Without Bradley. Without Bradley. Bradley. Exactly. <laughs> oh, poor Bradley. <laughs> oh, he's got Lady Gaga anyway. It's true. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, thank you so much, Andy, for speaking to us. Yeah, it's thanks. been an absolute joy. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. That was really, really lovely. To keep up with everything that Andy is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Andy Osho or on Instagram at the Andy Osho. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.